I just remember that we all had fun. I remember it was summer, so we stayed late at night outside in the patio, in the yard, and we were talking, telling stories. We cried together and we prayed together. Hello, everyone. Today, I want to tell you a story, a story about a Chilean family, Alpati, Lupe, Marcela, Pablo, and Rodrigo happily changed our lives forever, and I think we changed theirs. Patti is the oldest daughter. She and I have kept up over the years. We talk or text from time to time over WhatsApp. We recently were reminiscing about those two wonderful and a bit awkward weeks living in their home when we first landed in Santiago years ago. What did it look like for them to have four strangers in their home, to be willing to help us transition to Chile after we'd lived for six years in Peru? What did we remember? What did they remember? What about times we've had together since then? We talked about some of those things on a very personal level. So later we decided to revisit the conversation for the sake of this podcast. Since Patti speaks English, we recorded it again so you could listen in. We transcribed sections of that original conversation, and so you'll hear us reading those parts. I'll fill in here and there with some necessary background and additional questions. You'll get some of both sides of the story, what it was like for them, what it was like for us. But let me begin at the beginning of how we got connected in the first place. I don't remember exactly how, but we found out about a global worker named Wanda who was working with the Chilean church. We thought she might be able to help us find a family in Santiago who would be willing to take us in for a couple of weeks. Our family would be moving eventually to southern Chile to join a Bible translation project with the Mapuche people, but we hoped that living with a family when we landed in Santiago would help us adapt before we moved south. We figured Chile would be quite different from Peru, both in language and culture, and we weren't wrong. Let's let Patti take it from here. I was leading the youth group at my church and Wanda came that night to the devotional. She told us that uh, you were in search of a place to stay for a week or two to get to know our Chilean traditions accent or particular way of speaking, expressions that you should or should not say. It was a way to learn about the Chilean culture. It really wasn't, but I felt a personal responsibility to get you that place. Your family originally said no, no way, right? They didn't see how we could fit four more people into our small house. That would make nine of us since my sister Marcela and Pablo had just gotten married and were living with us. And of course, my mom and Rodrigo, who was in middle school, we thought surely there were other families in our congregation with bigger and more beautiful houses that could host you. We actually had a whole lot of reasons why to say no. Why did you finally agree to it? We couldn't get it off our minds. 
So we prayed. And then out of the blue, our next door neighbors told us they were going to spend the summer at their beach house and would we watch their house while they were gone. We asked if there was any way that all of us could stay at their house and uh, your family could then stay in ours. I think that was really like a miracle. I remember Jonathan and Christine slept end to end in the same bed in what used to be Rodrigo's room. Christine was always complaining that Jonathan was kicking her. He was around six and Christine was four. They learned a lot of Spanish with you guys, which was really great since we put Jonathan straight away in first grade in a Chilean school. And we slept in your back room somewhere that was big enough for all the duffel bags we'd brought since we didn't ship anything. We were always trying to find stuff in those dang duffel bags. But I'm really curious, after you said, yes, we could live with you, what were you thinking? Were you nervous? What were your expectations? We were worried that we didn't like each other for whatever reason, you know, that happens. You never know when you meet someone for the first time what would come. What if you didn't like our meals at all, that you thought they were disgusting? Really, Patti, we never thought your meals were disgusting. They were great. In English, we would say you always put on the dog. And Lupe's incredible apricot jam and her homemade rolls, her famoso pan amasado. It was all great. It was also our concern to please you with whatever we did. In the beginning, you don't know if you're just being nice or you are really pleased or if you have what you need or enjoying yourself. But actually, it was very easy for us to know that you were having fun and learning to love our culture. I remember that we all had fun. I remember it was summer, so we stayed late at night outside in the patio, in the yard, and we were talking, telling stories. Uh, we cried together. We prayed together. Well, here's an example of how Pati's family went totally out of their way to please all of us. They found out about Jonathan's penchant for these little boxes of liquid yogurt you could drink called Yogu Yogu. When we lived in southern Peru, since it was close to the Chilean border, Yogu Yogu came in from Chile and we used to buy them for Jonathan by the boatload. So they always made sure they had plenty of Yogu Yogu on hand for Jonathan whenever he wanted one. Patti, what was it like when you picked us up at the airport? I think we were pretty scared, and I know we were really tired from all the packing and overnight flight and everything. I don't know how to say it, even in Spanish, but it was like we connected. You seemed like people we already knew. Talking about airports, when we went back to Chile a couple of years ago, and we had all those hours in the airport together with you and your mom. I felt like we both really shared our hearts. You told me things, and I don't know, I guess we don't talk really all that much, but that time in the airport really made me so appreciative of our friendship, how loving you guys are, how much you accepted us, and that you were really an important part of our lives. 
I'm sure at the time we didn't appreciate that. Everything was new. And I mean, I don't know. It was kind of hard time for us at the same time. I felt in those days that we somehow opened our hearts to each other. Eric told us about his father being in, uh, a missionary in Colombia, I think it was, and how he left his mom and left the mission altogether to marry another woman. That was very important for us. Um, that was how, would you say, símbolo de confianza? A sign of trust. And then you in turn told us about your father who was living in the U.S. at that time. I think that really created a bond between us. Every time I've spent time with you, for me, has been a pleasure for sure. Proof of that is every time we connect, we feel that time hasn't passed. Or if it has, the friendship is still the same, that we don't need to talk every day to be connected. I feel that way too, Patti. Like I said, we really don't talk that often. Um, we talked around the time of the recent elections. I was so excited about DACA and what that would mean for your nephew in the States. And I remember that we had a really long conversation before that, but actually I don't really remember what it was about. Then I confessed to Patti that I don't even have their birthdays down, which I know is a mortal sin in Latino culture. Egg on face. I should know better. Patti said it was okay. Don't worry about it. But she knew that my birthday was in August and that Eric's was October 18th. I do have Lupe's birthday down on my calendar for July 28th. Or, <laughs> or is it the 26th, Patti? Actually, it's the 26th. <laughs> I probably haven't mentioned uh, this to you. Do you remember that once you came to Santiago and brought us a basket full of Christmas gifts? Remember that? No, actually, I don't. But the thing is, that year we hadn't heard anything about our father in a long time. For a whole year, we didn't know where he was. We didn't know anything about him in the States. He would always send us gifts for Christmas for sure. That particular year, he hadn't sent anything, no money, no gifts. And we were kind of sad to have no news. It really wasn't about the gifts, but God did provide gifts for us through you. That was very important for us. In the basket, there was a booklet of cross-stitch patterns, one with a pattern of a cat. I knew that had to be for me. Who else in the family does cross-teach? <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. I actually didn't remember. Later that following year, our family reconnected. We've been in touch since then. He's in the U.S., but he comes to visit us, and we have reconnected. That made us really happy when you told us that in the airport. Patti then went on to tell me her very personal story of what it was like for her to be able to tell her father that she had actually forgiven him. Patti, that is really quite a story, and I really appreciate you being willing to tell that. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's keep on. <laughs> Maybe we can just go back here 
with some more details about living with you all. We gave you some money for meals and gas, right? Was that uncomfortable for you? I know we didn't want to be a burden. Not uncomfortable. We didn't feel offended. If you hadn't given us anything, it would have been a problem to pay for food for four more people. (laughs) We never thought of you taking advantage of us. Well, obviously you're fluent in English, but did you speak English with us at all? I don't remember, but I don't think you did. No, because you wanted to talk to us all in Spanish. But we used to correct you whatever expression was not appropriate in our country or was definitely a bad word. I remember where you were expressing your gratitude or were thankful that we were very welcoming people, according to your opinion. But we're not. (laughs) But you used to use the word caliente, which is probably okay in Mexico or somewhere. But here in Chile, that is not a nice sentence to express that idea. We would say calidos. Whoops. I guess I didn't know back then, obviously, that caliente would mean not just hot, but and not welcoming or warm, but hot sexually. I didn't remember that one, Patti, but I definitely remember the one about the trastes. But we'll save that one till the end of the conversation. I don't think I ever said that gender roles were a bit hard for us to figure out. Since your father was gone, Pablo was the son-in-law and Rodrigo still was pretty young. But I know we did learn some phonological features that make Chileno Spanish unique. Linguistically, it's called aspiration before stops. And then, of course, dropping the S at the end of words. My favorite example is instead of saying, como están ustedes, you guys say, well, will you say it. Como están ustedes? Say it again. Como están ustedes? And then there was that funky greeting, como esta, como es, como es? Como estáis? Como estai? See, I've forgotten. You know, we worked in Panama after leaving Chile, and they always said I had a Chilean accent. And even now, sometimes when I speak Spanish, people will say that. En serio? Good. Que bien. Yeah, really. Christine still does as well. Jonathan Spanish has pretty much adapted to Mexican Spanish. There was pu, and then there was cachai. Sipo. <laughs> cachai, no cacho, na. Cachai comes from the English word catch, when you get something. So when you don't get an idea, when you don't understand something, you say, no cacho, na. I don't understand anything. <laughs> cachai means, do you understand? <laughs> right. And then there's polola and polola and pololeando. So you don't say novio and novia for boyfriend and girlfriend. You say polola and polola. And I just read somewhere that pololo actually comes from the Mapuche word piulio, which means a fly. So somehow gives the idea of like a fly swarming around fruit. I've tried to get rid of some of my chilenismo since they don't really make sense to my really good Mexican friend here like Altito for right away. 
I went on to ask Patti if we ever did anything to offend her. She said, no, never, absolutely not. But I always wondered about whether we should use tu or usted with her mom, Lupe. Of course, they're the classic formal and informal pronouns in Spanish that everyone talks about and a sociolinguistic dynamic that varies widely in their usage from country to country. We always address the mom as usted, but was that right? We called her sometimes hermana Lupe, since that was a way to address a Christian sister in typical evangelical circles, but always with the usted conjugation. Patti assured me that tu would have been okay since she knew we were learning. Even to this day, we still call Lupe usted from respect. And I forget if I ever heard people using the vos pronoun like in Argentina instead of tu. Culturally, we discovered there was just a totally different feel between Peru and Chile. Peru is much more criollo, they say. And they have a lot of Quechua influence. And on the whole, Chilenos are more highly educated. Was it culture shock for you to visit us in Temuco? You visited us two or three times, I think. I was amazed. It was very beautiful out in the country. The silence, the quietness, wow. That was awesome. It was difficult for me to understand why you wanted to work among the Mapuche. You were coming from a very different culture. We know Mapuche are very different from other Chileans. Why would your family come and get involved and work with these people? But I knew the most important thing was scripture was going to be translated into their language. I don't know if I ever told you, but the first time you and I went to Aruca, a Mapuche house, we left your house that day late in the afternoon and visited with a Mapuche family for a long time. I mean, long hours. It started to get really dark in the Aruca. There wasn't any daylight. And I wondered how come they don't turn the lights on. I wondered for a long time afterwards why they didn't just turn the lights. And then I said to myself, how silly. Of course, they don't have electricity in the rugas. Did your opinion of the Mapuches or the way that you viewed Mapuches actually change in any way? It changed in terms of having more compassion of them. In some ways, for example, you mentioned that sometimes you would give toothbrushes and toothpaste because they needed that. I wonder how come. For me, it's something that we have in our homes. No big deal. We don't have to be concerned about getting toothpaste and toothbrushes. We just take them for granted. As far as perspective, I started to realize the richness of their culture as well. They have some material things we don't have in Santiago. Their lands, their pigs, they can harvest wheat. Surely you drank mate with us, right? We all drank mate out of the same cup and the same stroke. But I know if I refuse to drink from that same cup, it would be offensive for them. You were a good sport, Patti. Did you ever eat horse when you were there? No, not that I knew of at least. <laughs> but I did eat curanto. And you know what? 
I hate seafood. <laughs> that was the worst meal I've ever had in my life. That's so hard to believe that you hate seafood with the long coastline in Chile. I'm that kind of person. <laughs> okay, I think you know I close every podcast with a super duper language blooper. So I hereby give you permission to tell the Traste story. We had just finished the lunch and Eric volunteered to do the dishes. He said he was used to washing the dishes at home. He said, voy a lavar los trastes, which in Chile means I'm going to wash your butts. Well, trastes was the right word in Peru, but I'll never forget that one for sure. And such a great example of how vocab can change drastically from country to country. Patti, thanks for being willing to open up this conversation to my Language on Purpose listeners and for being so transparent. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so glad that we could do this. Me too. For more stories about staying with a family, go back and listen to episode 13, Home Away From Home, and episode 16, Just Two Years. I'm Mary Lynn Kindberg, and thanks for listening to Language on Purpose. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google, and of course, at languageonpurpose.org. Subscribe, and you won't miss an episode. Keep at it, guys. Until next time.